Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 302, and it's brought to you, you and you, by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use that code CLNS50 because it does us a great deal of service. I am absolutely fucking stoked, and I'm sorry the F-bomb went off immediately to start the show, but the Boston Bruins are 5-1 and one to start this 2022-23 season, but that's, that's right now on the sideshow. We have our boy right down here. Dom Tiano joining the program again after a bit of a, a health scare. He is back with us to talk for, uh, as long as he can, but I'm so happy to see his face and hear that voice again. Dom, how's it going, buddy? Good, boys. Glad to be back and talking some hockey, and uh, we'll see if I can make it through the entire show. But, uh, you know, glad to be back, that's for sure. And, Dom, make sure, you know, you don't overstress yourself if you need to leave. That's absolutely fine. We both understand. And anyone who doesn't understand, trigger warning, can fuck themselves. Tell them to Google it. <laughs> Tell them to Google it. Google it. Google it. <laughs> but very blessed. Very blessed to have the, the time to talk to you again. And, and hopefully you're you're getting back to uh, some regular health. I know we talked a little bit about what went on pre-show. Not going to get into all that details. But um, it, it is good to have you back. And good to, to hear that everything's like it's getting it's getting there. We're not totally there yet, but we're, we're making strides to, um, you know, be a little more healthier and so on. So um, why don't we uh, start off by um, talking about the last four games of the week. And uh, I don't want to talk, I don't want to do the breakdowns because there was four games this week. It's been a crazy week up and down 
a lot of love for the uh, what the Boston Bruins did this week. But um, let's just talk as a week whole. But uh, to, uh, to to start us off, let's give the honor to Dom. Dom, what do you think about these last four days this week? Uh, some good points, bad points, and uh, obviously what you've seen so far um, in the in the start of a season where we we all knew that there's some key players that are going to be out of this lineup, but they've come together under a Jim Montgomery voice and and just seem to be inspired to to the next man up mentality. The bottom six is working. The goaltending has been really good and so on. What are you seeing so far from this team? Wow. I, I mean, that there's so much, Mark. First of all, I want to say if, if somebody had told me at the start of the season, the team would be five and one to start, I'd be saying, I would have said, you're off your rocker. You don't miss two superstars like Marshan and McAvoy and, and go out and start five and one. So credit to, to the Bruins for, you know, that next man up mentality. Uh, but things that I like, uh, Linus Allmark, I'm going to start there because the three of us have heard so many times about, oh, the cap hit. They don't need him. They've got Swayman. Well, you know, he basically stole them the last two games, and, and that's why you need Linus Allmark. Too valuable to the team right now. And, you know, saving $5 million cap hit, isn't saving you $5 million cap hit. You would have had to spend it on another goaltender somewhere. And uh, you likely wouldn't be getting the results you're getting uh, now uh, with it. Uh, that's number one. Number two, Nick Foligno. Um, you know, we've said it many a times that, the, you know, the Bruins didn't acquire Nick Foligno for regular season hockey. They acquired him for playoff <laughs> hockey. And, Unfortunately, last playoffs, he was injured, and we're, we're seeing what a 100% healthy Felino is capable of doing. Um, I never wrote him off. I, I understood the business side of the, the game meant that his contract needed to go, but I think realistically now they've got to look at other options just because of the way he's playing. Um, A.J. Greer, you know, uh, what 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 can you say about it? Like, I mean, huge, huge, huge surprise. You know, maybe him and Felino, they split time going forth, you know, keeping them fresh. You know, Taylor Hall, I know Taylor Hall is a great hockey player, but, you know, the last couple of games, he's, like, taken it to uh, uh, another level. Uh, he's clutch. He's coming through when when the game is on the line at both ends of the ice. I'm on the other side, the flip side. I'm a little bit disappointed with uh, Trent Frederick. I expected more, uh, and I'm not seeing it. Craig Smith, you know, and obviously uh, Jim Montgomery is probably a little bit disappointed with him as well, having him as a healthy scratch for the last for two games. Prior to yesterday, so uh, uh, Matty Grizzlick's come back and looks like he hasn't missed a beat after his surgery. Derek Forbert, another plus. Like I mean, I knew he was working on his skating in the off season. Obviously, he's done that. He's improved that. Um, you know, there's a lot of pluses. There's a couple of negatives, and uh, I'll hand it over to Kevin to touch on anybody I missed that deserves a mention. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with everything perfectly, as usual, Dom. But go, last pod, I said, you know, if we, if we could come out of this week two and two, that's a blessing. Well, they exceeded our expectations. They went three and one. I think that is a fantastic week. I mean, because – and I did say if they were going to lose a game in there, it was probably going to be the Senators for sure. I felt like that was a trap game. Their offense is overwhelming regardless how their defensive depth is. They have a very overwhelming offense there. Um, so that ended up going the way I thought it would uh, after travel and playing the day previous. And then the Anaheim game was the other game I thought they could possibly lose. Well, they almost, you know, it was close. It was an overtime game. They ended up pulling it out, um, thankfully. So they did go three and one, which I'm very happy with. Um, Lena Salmark, as he said, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm just going to say he's giving you elite-level goaltending. I'm not. I'm not saying he's an elite goaltender. You, there's a long journey to gain that type of, um, you know, that that type of thing to be called. But this, the goaltending we're seeing right now is just unbelievable. He's he's spot on. I mean, how can you root against him? Jeremy Swayman. He has some things that he needs to fine tune. But I think you know, Allmark is going to help him get there. I don't think I see any issues with that. Um, Craig Smith, as you said, I thought he played a lot better last game. Um, you saw a little bit more of that good board work that he can do. Um, he was getting the shot off more, which was nice. Um, so I, I'm not really, you know, too bummed there at, at, for now. But I think moving forward, he's probably the guy you want to look at to try to move out for sure. Uh, because you have guys who can do it. You got Greer, you got McLaughlin in the wings, you got, um, you know, plenty. I mean, I put out a lineup that I'd like for healthy, but we can talk about that another time. Um, Taylor Hall looks a lot better. I'm not sure if he's 100% healthy, but maybe he's getting a little bit better as he's going along. Um, Jake DeBrusque, my God. How can you not talk about Jake DeBrusque? That kid is just a whole different player right now. Like, we've seen streaky DeBrusque. We've seen bad DeBrusque. This is the DeBrusque we thought we were getting, and this is what we're getting. And it's fantastic to see. He's he's fantastic. So I'm going to pass it off to Mark and let him go ahead and talk about anything else. Um, yeah, it, it, you guys have brought on some very, very valid points uh, on what you've seen for your the personal eye test. Um, again, I'm just going to go back to a lot of the message that uh, Jim Montgomery and, and John Gruden have mentioned in previous interviews that they, they, they want to generate more offense from the back end. And, and I'm continuing to see those types of impacts from the blue line more and more as we move forward into this, this new voice, this new type of system that Jim Montgomery is trying to preach. And, and it's nice to see everybody buying in as well. Um, the bottom six has been a tremendous thing to see when you're talking about offense and secondary scoring. Um, you know, Nick Foligno just seems to be that type of has taken on that type of leadership role on the, on the on the bottom six to, you know, really exemplify the need to to, you know, be be offensive, but also be gritty and a pain in the ass to play against. And I think just to not make a long winded answer to, to all these questions, but I just really think that the way everybody's buying in and doing it without people in the lineup like McAvoy and, um, and Marshan, like Dom mentioned has been just that next man up mentality thing that we've really wanted to see more 
in previous seasons, and I'm seeing a lot of it today. So, I mean, um, in these early games of this Boston Bruins 2022-23 season. So, but again, you know, I see a lot of it online. It's it's October. It's October hockey, pump the brakes, and so on. And yeah, I. I get a little excited sometimes when I see this team play like this and, and how everybody seems to be congelling like a, like a team again and a family again. And, and we are on a mission once again to, to do things good while windows are closed or open, whatever, but it's still just a great thing to see so far. And, and man, I cannot wait till these, these, these superstar players like Marshan and, and McAvoy get inserted back into the lineup and then what are we going to look at? I mean, it could be just lights out, you know, coming in, into in November and early December when these guys come back on to the team. And not just the two of them, Mark. Uh, we, we've already seen Grizzly come back and look like he's not miss, missed a step. But Brandon Carlo as well. I, I think that if Carlo can come back uh, just before – Marshan and McAvoy do and be a better Brandon Carlo than he was a year ago. Um, that's going to make a huge difference to, to the Bruins blue line. Um, their, their PK right now is lights out. Yes. Okay. It's lights out without Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo. On. Now you add those two on the back end on the PK. What do you got? It, the big concern, my big concern with this team right now is the the power play. And, you know, I remember the three of us having this conversation a year ago, even under Bruce Cassidy. I'm seeing that the zone entries today look not, nothing different than they did under Cassidy. It's like skated up the ice, pass it to a guy who's stationary at the blue line, and try to gain entry that way. And it just doesn't work. Every NHL team has seen it now with the Bruins for years, and they haven't figured out. Um, so I, I'm surprised there hasn't been anything different there. Uh, but a, a lot of their issues on the power player are entries. And uh, I'm not sure how much Marshan and McAvoy change that because they usually don't go with those two to try to, to, try to gain entry. It's usually Pasternak or or David Krejci. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Mark had mentioned, you know, people saying pump the brakes, pump the brakes. It's only six games. It's only October. I'm not pumping crap. <laughs> There's no way I'm pumping anything because what I'm seeing with this team right now is something I have not seen with this team in a good while, and that is depth in scoring, just uh, uh, four lines buying in a team that looks like they are completely energized. And this is without Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, Brad Marshan. I mean, it's and, and a majority of it was without Matt Grizzlick. So I'm not pumping crap. I know what I'm watching. I understand it's early, but I don't care. I don't care if it's early. I know what I'm watching. I understand what I'm viewing. And it's exactly. nothing like what we've seen before. So don't tell me to pump shit because I'm not. I'm just, sick of just, that go, just go back to the Ottawa game, Kevin, that you had basically as a scheduled loss. Twice they came back from three goal deficits. Yeah, almost a second time. Almost. Or almost I thought they were going to get it. I thought yeah. they were. 
Right. Um, you know, the, the, the old adage is, is true. You can't win the cup in October, but you can, you can lose it in October. Absolutely. Um, and one more thing on the power play that, you know, you mentioned the power play. Yeah. One thing that I think they could do to help this power play out is switch from exactly what you're talking about, the zone entry that's not working, to getting a little dump and chase in there. And the best way to do that is to balance out these units and put a little meat potatoes in there. Put a guy like Felino on one of them. Put a guy like Zaka on the other one. Two guys that will get in deep and and retrieve the puck and get it back to who you need to get it back to. And then they can return to net front. It just seems simple to me. They have two power plays they have two. They, they have enough players that they could make two power play units that could be number one power play units on any team. So, get those two units out there. Get some meat potatoes in there, so that way when they when when you throw the puck in there, you've got guys who can get in there. DeBrusque with his speed, Zaka with his board work, Felino with everything he's been doing. I mean, God, he's a monster. You have and guys who can do it. Speed. Even Hall with his speed on the opposite exactly. of DeBrusque. Yep, and switch it up. Don't always dump and chase, of course. You know, sometimes you're gonna want to do your your you know your normal zone entry that you do, but if you mix it up with just a little bit, you're gonna confuse people. It's gonna make it a lot easier to gain entry. And I think the power play last game started getting a lot better on their zone entries as the game went along, mostly the second unit, which is surprising, you know. But I just think they're overloading too many good players on that top power play everyone wants the puck everyone wants to give the puck to Pasternak it's just predictable you know so switch it up a little bit get two units in there that can really take it to it because think about this way you put your first PP unit in there and they're working well and you got that PK unit hemmed in you can take one player off once one at a time put that second unit out that's just as damn good as the first one and you're gonna score eventually doing that because a tired PK unit and just bringing it to them with fresh legs with a fresh unit that's just as good as the other one. I mean, it just makes sense to me. I don't know about anyone else, but. Oh, sure. It makes sense. Hey, before we go on, I do want to mention, um, uh, before we get too far into it, we do have a Patreon account that we're giving away. This Boston Bruins hand-signed Ray Bork prize bundle. You get the hand-signed jersey fully authenticated. You get the 8 by 10 picture fully authenticated. You get the hand-signed puck fully authenticated, and the mini helmet, fully authenticated, all from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. This is our way to say welcome back, hockey, and thank you to our financial supporters, the best ones out there. But this is all going to be eligible for people that do go to patreon.com slash Podcast and donate just $1 per episode. But like I said, I just want to mention that before we get too deep into this awesome hockey talk, because we're all over the place. Every week, we're all over the place. <laughs> but, uh, exactly. Just instant chaos. Wake up on Sunday morning, fire up the stream yard, and instant chaos. Bruins hockey talk is what we live for. Um, I do want to touch on uh, Nick Foligno one more time. And I know we're going to be pumping his tires probably a lot because he deserves it. I mean, this is a guy that I have personally been down on. Um, and not because he's a terrible person and this and that. And he sucks and, and the narrative out there. But it's just something that you like to see the effort that he's doing from, a, uh, from an aging veteran. And what he's saying in, in press conferences that he wants to be a Bruin. He wants to be here. He wants to contribute. He doesn't want to be that guy that's, you know, a passenger and so on. But I, I really do think, like I said to Dom earlier while uh, Kevin was on his little walk away, 
um, that I still have this. I heard everything. Oh, OK. All right. <laughs> that, that he, you know, he, he's really do, has taken on a leadership role and, and pretty much like in command of the bottom six when needed. And, and I think he's done a really good job, uh, you know, an inspirational leader that can be leaned on heavy because um, he's been has the experience and so on. But we're also seeing results that many of us didn't didn't um, didn't think that could happen. We were all well, I, I know me. I'm going to speak for me. I was more or less just trying to figure out how to move his contract. I don't think I believe I don't believe I gave him enough of a chance to to really, you know, show early in the season what he can do. But, hey, you know, I've been wrong several times and I'm not I'm not going to stop being wrong. You know, it's just something to do with with how, how I'm uh, put together. But um, I like what I'm seeing. And, and the bottom six, we're seeing small progressions of bottom six offense and, and grindiness that everybody's telling me is needed in the playoffs. And this is exactly what I love to see. If we can get consistency from November, December, January, and February, March, April, with this type of bottom six, you gotta, you got to be happy about stuff like that. Yeah, I think we all – we're um, trying to figure out how to move Nick Felino's contract. Um, it's just, and, and that's to no fault of us. You know, the players not living up to expectations. You need to move money out. It makes the most sense to try your best to move a, move a contract like that out. But, you know, I think we all knew that it wasn't going to happen. Um, so I think for me, I, I knew going into the season that they were going to give Nick Foligno every chance to play out that contract here in Boston. They were going to give him every chance. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I definitely didn't expect this. I can't even sit here and pretend like I did. I don't think anyone did what he's doing right now. He looks like Nick Foligno of old. Not old as in old age, but the Nick Foligno that was playing for Columbus, you know, in a top six situation. That's how it looks to me. I mean, he's all over the place. He's got three goals in what, six games? I mean, I'll be honest. I'm still looking for a way to move that contract. To me, knowing what the Bruins have to do when it's time to activate Charlie McAvoy and think about banking cap space uh, towards the end of the season uh, for trade deadline, it's the logical contract to trade. Um, you can talk about trading uh, Mike Riley, but that just isn't enough to get it done. Uh, and now, obviously, when McAvoy does return, the Bruins are going to have nine NHL defensemen, all on one-way contracts. Yeah, logic dictates that, that that's where they're going to be looking to make a move. I'd, I'd move Smith and Riley. I'd move them both. Trades are easier said than done, though, Kevin. Like try. I guess I should have said try. Yeah. Like, do you move them to one team? No, that's not going to happen. No. Nobody has the cap space. For you you might have to eat a mill on each. You never know. You you just might have to. Uh, yep. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's less than a month away when they've got to get this all figured out. You know, uh, they're okay when Marshan comes back because. Uh, all they have to do is clear a, a roster spot, and that's just sending somebody down. But when it comes time to activate McAvoy, there's major decisions that, that have to be made. And the, the thing that worries me is that Coach Jim Montgomery might not even get a say in it on, right. on who goes and who stays because 
the move is going to be is going to be made because of cap hits and salary cap, not about who's deserving of staying and who deserves to go. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be heavily relied on the uh, the the mastermind of Evan Gold and and the cap massaging that's gonna happen because right <laughs> now the Boston Bruins and, and I, not right now last night when I looked at the cap number it was uh, a little over five million in available cap space but we have to consider that there's players on IR and LTIR right now and then you'll be over that so yes we we do have to make a move and so on but. That's just Evan Gold right there, and it's not a personal thing against the player or anything like that. That's just that's just part yeah. of the business, as as you and so many other um, people that know that that study the cap religiously have been preaching about for years and years. When you're a team that's so competitive and always up against the ceiling, yeah. Yep. Like I mean, every, everybody says that, like, oh well, it's easy. Just send Jack Stickney down, put him on waivers. Well, no, that doesn't work. It does, it does, they need to clear about $3.6 million based on and my not, health. That's what they need to clear. Jack Stadnika makes $790,000. It's not enough. Yeah, maybe not. you do that to Jack Stadnika for the roster spot, but that ain't clearing cap space. And and other GMs know that you need to move people out. Yeah. So it's it's going to make it harder. That doesn't mean like I, I remember talking to somebody, you know, they were trying to tell me you ha- you'd have to put a first round pick or, you know, s- or something onto a contract to move it. And I, I don't agree with that. I just don't think that you're going to get back a return that you think you could get back for a certain player. You know, it might be a future considerations type of thing. We just saw it right. with Vegas. Yeah. Right. And, and I, th- I think if you make the move now, as opposed to waiting a month, uh, might be more beneficial because uh, everybody knows the Bruins don't have to make that move now. So they might get less burnt by making the move now as opposed to waiting. Yeah, I might be able to get a seventh out of it right now. If you try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing personal at all. I mean, it's, it's just to be cap compliant at, at whatever time these, these – um, these players like Marchand and McAvoy come back. I mean, you got to do something, and like like we always preach, it's it's a business and so on. But you know, um, it's well, we got to clarify, Mark. We are cap compliant when Marchand comes back. Yeah, but not when. Not, not when, when Marchand fits under the LTIR that McAvoy is on. Yeah, it's when McAvoy gets activated. That they're in trouble. There, there is no problem with activating Marshan other than clearing a roster spot. And I'm afraid that, you know, to do that, you've got two players that are waiver exempt: Jeremy Swayman, who's not going anywhere, right. and Jacob Lauko. Yeah, which, which, in in this mind, is is kind of expendable, regardless yeah. of the effort that he's putting in thus far. Right. Yeah. I don't want Lauko going anywhere. If it was up to me, I'd send Freddie down. If someone claims him, bye. It, that's yeah. just my opinion, though. I, I mean, I like Freddie. I don't think he's a bad I, – I think he's got some skill. I think he's a good hockey player when he wants to be. And I don't know if he wants to be. That's and my problem with, with It's Freddie. the left side that's overloaded, right? If you take a look at the left wingers they've got, Mark, when Marshain comes back, it's the left side that they're loaded on other than defense. So yeah. uh, you, you'll have Marshain, you'll have Hall, you'll have Zaka – You'll have uh, Frederick. You'll have AJ Greer. 
and you have already have Jake Dabrowski's playing the offside. Yep. yep. So and, real and oh, sorry. Go ahead. Real quick question. Uh, we'll just answer a, uh, a question that was on the uh, the BNG listener hotline. And if anybody wants to get involved in that, please call 978-504-2727 and leave a, um, a very brief uh, Bruins-related question for us or a topic that we should be discussing. But Pete, Pete in North Carolina asks, when Marshan does come back, which player on the left side is being sat or sent down? I got a I got a Bruins healthy lines all ready to go, so I can just give that lines for my answer right now. If you want to do that uh, right before the Athletic Greens, go for it. Yeah, I, I have Marshan Berzer on Debrusque. I have Hall Krejci and Pasternak. I have Zaka Coyle and Felino, and then I have Greer, Nosek, and Lauko. So for me, Frederick is the odd man out. Interesting. And you're also taking Smith out in that in that yep. situation. I, I have him traded. Interesting. Yeah, I I I would agree with ha- at this point if we're just looking at the left side alone, that Frederick is the odd man out uh, yep. based on on six games and what I've seen so far. Yeah, yep. and, and and Greer, Lauco, and Felino can all play the right wing. Yeah. So. I I like Freddie a lot. I've I've been watching him since he's been drafted and played at. Wisconsin and the in the U.S. developmental program and so on and I like I said in several podcasts over the summer I just wish that what I saw in Providence for that year and a half um, I wish for that translated into the NHL game because it was really good to see down there and I get excited I pumped his tires I get it and I, I he's I think he's a he's still a work in progress even though that people are are really frustrated about his progression and the narrative of him being a number one pick and so on. So, you know, everybody kind of gets it a little, a little later in their, in their lives, but I was hoping that he would get it, uh, the, you know, the whole package um, sooner rather than later, but it is what it is. Um, but I, more or less, I was just really excited about how Jim Montgomery came into this Boston Bruins team and really said that, you know, he needs to see more from Freddie and he's going to get the opportunity to do it. And I think that he's getting that opportunity, but I just don't think that it's it's really translating um, to what Jim actually and, and staff wants to see on the ice. So, you know, I'm not giving him a free pass, but I'm also not going to torture him for, for taking a stupid penalty either. For me, it was the Ottawa Senators game. I believe that was the game where he went out of his way to interfere with a player by the bench. I, f- I think that was the game. If it's not, someone can correct me, but that was the moment in my mind where I said, Freddie's out for me. I'm I'm done with the antics. I, there was no point in what he did. It was just so stupid. And at a point where you're trying to get back into the game, I was just like, we can't have this, especially in the playoffs. It's just, we can't have it. All right, I think it's time we hear Kevin talk about Athletic Greens. Absolutely, Mark. Our newest partner, Athletic Greens, has just the product to improve your everyday life. I started taking AG1 because I was sick of taking all those tasteless little pills every morning to get the results I wanted for my gut health and immune system. Now I've been on it for a couple of months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. 
This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of the things. I personally use it in the morning to get my day started right. Just put it in my travel bottle and I'm ready to go. I have more energy to face the day and my gut health has never been better. My family and friends ask me what my secret is to my lifestyle improvement and I always tell them AG1. You need even more reasons to try AG1? I got you. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Screen has 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BNG. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash BNG to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Absolutely. Well done, Mr. Kevin. And and again, and help support our podcast by getting uh, some athletic greens for you. And and don't wait till like New Year's to do the whole healthy thing going on. Start it now and then prepare yourself for for uh, the upcoming year of health and and, uh, you know, good gut health. But anyway, thank you very much, Kevin. We're back talking bees with our boy Dom Tiano making his return to the podcast after I don't know how many weeks, but. It's so good to have you back and hearing you talk, talk bees. It's just, uh, it's, it, it feels good, my friend. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. It's actually been, I believe, it's been five weeks. So, yes. yep, absolutely. All right, um, let's talk about Taylor Hall. I know we we bounced around with him late lately, but um, what are we seeing from this particular player? Um, we, we know we know the uh, the character and the and the, uh, the skill and so on. But are, are we seeing like a, a, a revitalized type of Taylor Hall? Because I'm seeing one that is just more engaged in, in not only his, his, his effort on the ice, but also um, with supporting members along the bench. You know, when you, when you look away from the puck and so on and, and, and face-offs and, and so on, he's constantly talking to people. I, I saw something really interesting in last night, yesterday's game, between him and Pasternak and it almost, I mean, they were talking about what happens on a drawer and so on, but it was almost like they were frustrated with each other a little bit, trying to get the message and, and where people should be. And I, I found it kind of like cool that you can go not like to have a full on argument, but like almost like, you know, criticize a certain play and talk about where certain people should be is it should be allowed. It allows for creativity and so on. And, and obviously Pasternak and, and, and Hall are two creative players in this league, and they have been for several years. So um, just, uh, just thoughts on Hall and, and what he's provided so far and the energy he's bringing to the second line, especially with David Krejci coming back. And, I mean, that guy as well has just been just a, a, you know, a pleasant to see, a shock to see how well he's adjusting and so on, you know. But thoughts? Dom, you want to go first? Yeah, well, we we knew that uh, Hall had 
chemistry with Krejci for what we saw after he was brought in uh, on trade deadline a couple of years ago. And we knew from last year that Hall had chemistry with uh, David Pasternak uh, based on what they did last year. And we, we knew that Pasternak had chemistry with David Krejci based on what we've seen uh, them do previously in the NHL, but more recently at, at uh, World Championships. So it was only um, common sense that you put the three of them together and see, see what, could, what could happen. I think not only has that rejuvenated Taylor Hall, I think it's brought David Pasternak to a whole new level. And uh, I, I think David Krejci is playing like a, a 25-year-old because he gets to play with two uh, supremely talented hockey players like Hall and Pasternak. He hasn't had that since the days of Nathan Horton and Milan Lucic. And, and I wouldn't even put – you can't even put Lucic in – Horton on the level that you can put Hall and, and Pasternak. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think I, I think that that trio is a a win 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 situation. There is not a there is not a better situation for Taylor Hall in this league, in my opinion. He's playing in a reduced role, like he wanted to, on a second line with first line players. Yep. I mean. How the hell can you find a better situation in this league for what he exactly wanted? I think Taylor Hall is just magnificent at what he is doing for this team in the role that he's expected to play. He started off a little bit slow, but I really do contribute that to the injury that he sustained in preseason. He even came out and said this is something that might, you know, come back a little bit here and there. So it might be something that they have to watch going through the season. Maybe it will, you know, need an off-season type of surgery or something for it. Who knows? But we can't. We don't know yet. We can't get that far into it. Uh, but he's looked a lot better. He's looking more engaging, especially since they put that line together. The Zaka Krejci Pasternak line was was fun to watch for a little bit, but Pavel Zaka, he's a talented player. He's a good player, but he's not on the level of Taylor Hall and he's not on the level of chemistry that Taylor ha Hall has with both of those players. Um, so allowing that line to kind of start gelling now instead of waiting until Marshan comes back, I think was a solid move. I'm happy about the move. It gives Zaka some time to work with uh, Patrice Bergeron and um, Jake DeBrusque, which is a favorable uh, situation for him as well before eventually finding his way down to work with Charlie Coyle and whoever ends up on the right side there. Um, I think him and Charlie Coyle will work fantastic together just because both of them are just, I, I think both of them are great on the boards. Um, I don't think, I don't think he's as good as Charlie Coyle on the board on the boards, but I think he has more offensive skill than a guy like Charlie Coyle. And I think they're going to be able to mesh very well since their games are kind of similar, but Pavel Zaka has a bit more skill to his game. Um, so I think that, I, I think that the whole, situation they have moving forward with every single one of their lines is just so favorable for every player involved. Yeah, certainly fun to watch. And and it's just so good to be, have everybody engage and so on, whether it be a, a, a change in the message or, or whatever, it's just 
this is exactly what we were hoping over the season that certain players need to step up. You know, like Derek Forbort is another is a player that I constantly look at as huge improvements after uh, after one full season last year. And um, and I like the way he, he's a solid. He's a big body penalty killer, and and you know he's been he's been surprisingly mobile as well along the uh, the uh, the blue line, creating opportunities, getting pucks into the net for the net front presence and secondary opportunities for those guys standing out front of the crease. So um, you know it's, there's a lot of good things that get, that can come out of of um of what's what we're seeing in this in this early season. So. Um, where do we go from here? Connor Clifton is where oh, we go from here. Connor Clifton is um is in my opinion playing pretty decent. Uh and in you know, obviously he's getting better and better the more trust he's gaining. And and the more he plays like this, I think a more player like Anton Strauman will probably be uh sparingly used, uh, let's just say that way. Um wasn't overly impressed with his game against the Ottawa Senators. I haven't been really. I don't, and I know Dom that we talked about this uh, in a, in a private chat and so on. But I, I I just don't see what everybody saw in the off season. I get the experience and the depth and so on, but when it comes down to things on the ice, I see a lot of I don't know things that rookie mistakes would do. And I I, I don't know. I kind of think that it, during the preseason and so on, that younger players deserve the spot over him. That's just my opinion, though. When it comes to Strawman, my first thought of that Ottawa game was he was nowhere near ready for it. That That's just my opinion yeah. on it. I, I think he was thrown into a situation that wasn't very favorable for him. He's dealing with these visa issues, trying to get everything sorted out so he can get into the lineup and start focusing on hockey. Um, Not I saw only that, good- his, family, his family too, Kevin. Yes, of course. You know, his personal life. Exactly. Like all of it. It just wasn't very favorable for him. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to reserve my opinion on Strawman until then. But I totally see the things that you were seeing as well. I think everyone did. He did not have a good game. Um, it, it was a, a bad outing for a guy like him. But the whole defense, it was kind of a not the whole, not everyone on the defense, but the defense as a whole. That was a tough game for the defense, too. Um, probably their worst game. Yeah, it was very bad, very bad. Um, but so I'm gonna hold, I'm gonna hold, hold my opinion on that. We'll, we'll see if he gets in for a few games, and then after maybe three, four games, everything's settled down. We'll see from there. But Connor Clifton, what I'm seeing is a cough, a confident hockey player. I am seeing somebody who is he's the way he's throwing his hits right now. There's full confidence. He's like, you know what? I know I can throw this hit right here and it's not going to, I'm not going to miss. I'm not going to put the team in a situation where they're on their heels. I, he, and for me, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, of course there's other areas of his game that you can look at. He's made mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. There is not a single hockey player out there who is perfect. And that includes Patrice Bergeron for those who think he's perfect. He's not. No one's perfect. He's a, he's near perfect, but not perfect. Uh, Connor Clifton will make some mistakes, and that's okay. That is okay as long as he's paired with a guy who's going. That's why I like the Forbert Clifton because I think Forbert is able to help him in a way where he's able to take those chances, take those pinches, jump into the offensive zone, which we've seen him doing a lot of lately. I mean, I didn't realize how good he was on his edges. 
the way he like rides the blue line and then starts bringing it down down the wall close to the net. I mean, that, that's beautiful to see for me. I mean, him to be able to have that type of game as well. So I'm very happy with Clifton right now. Um, I, I think he's confident. I think he's really working hard. Maybe this system is more beneficial to him, um, even though it hasn't changed a ton on defense. It's, it's kind of like a hybrid, I think, is what Montgomery was talking about. But, uh, Dom, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm glad, Mark, that you brought up Connor Clifton because throughout the years, I've been his biggest critic. And I'm not one that's afraid to eat crow when it's deserved. But, you know, to date, I've been absolutely right about Clifton. He's he's not an 82-game-a-year-a-season player. Never has been. Um you know, he's fantastic for stretches and other stretches he deserves to sit. Yeah, he's been fantastic through six games. I'm not going to deny that, but I need to see more than six games from Connor Clifton before I change his name from pencil to ink on my roster. And uh, that's not a negative. That's based on watching him for the last few years in Boston and and what he's done. So um, that that should not be anything new for anybody. I I think Clifton is also aware that uh, without Charlie McAvoy and now Brandon Carlo on the right side, this is his opportunity to cement himself as that third guy on the right side once they come back. And he's taken the opportunity and running with it. What I want to see is, okay, when McAvoy and Carlo come back, is he still the same player without having to ha- have to prove something out there to, to win a spot, having it given to him based on what he's done to date? Or uh, is he going to revert back to old Connor Clifton and start taking games off where, okay, Anton Strollman, here you go. Um, Cliffy Hockey ain't getting this, getting it done for us right now. Yeah, that's think, fair. I don't think anything I've said is is in in speaking bad about Connor Clifton. It's just Mm-mm. that's the way it's been with him. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. Um, one thing I can say about Connor Clifton, though, is I don't know if I've ever seen him go a six-game stretch during the regular season playing well. That's just that's just what I think. Oh yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't remember. He, I remember he, playoff Cliffy being fantastic, yeah. but I I don't never remember regular season Clifton me being like, oh my god, this guy's been playing great for six seven games. I just don't remember it. He's I mean, it's probably happened. I just don't know. Uh, he's good for ten game stretches, and, and and that's what I'm waiting for. Is where are you at after that? Yeah. That's, that's fair. That, that's what I want to see is where where are you when when McAvoy and Carlo come back and you've earned that spot and you no longer have to fight for it? Is Strollman coming up behind you and, and challenging you for that spot? And how are you going to react? Yep. Yep. And that's what we have never seen from Connor Clifton. And you know what's funny, Dom, is when you when you talk about Connor Clifton and his role. 
and he's not an eighty. He's not paid to be an eighty-two game defenseman because you can see that. And when he's when he's making a million dollars per season, got signed for a three-year deal at one mil per. They were ba- I mean, the Boston Bruins were basically basing their decision on basically what you were just saying that you're not going to be that type of defenseman that's going to play yeah. all the time. You're going to be a rotationary guy. You're going to be a complimentary defenseman that's going to come in when we need when somebody gets injured or we on a back to back. But it's good to see that he's finally getting some consistency going, and and we need to see that keep going as long yeah. as players like McAvoy and are going to be out on the back end. So, um, you know, let's the next forget, year- well, let's not forget last year he was scratched for Jacob Zaboral. Yep. Until Zaboral got injured, that's how we got into the lineup. Yeah, and there's there's another one we can talk about too is whoever had a, a decent start to the preseason after you know uh, ACL or I think that's what it's called MCL yeah. whatever um, you know and, and and we all pumped the tires and we're like oh yeah here comes the ball I can't wait can't wait and then all of a sudden the regular season happens and it's kind of we're seeing a a, a Jacob that's not all there in my opinion but. Um, I don't know. Hopefully he can snap out of it too, because uh, if it, you know, once, I mean, it, Grizzlick's return to the lineup is like pushing somebody out. So, you know, and, and that's the issue, Mark, is without a healthy lineup where everybody can slot in where they're supposed to be, uh, we we don't know what we have. Forbert's obviously played his role very well. Clifton has very well. Lindholm, what can we say about? Wow. Uh, Hampus Lindholm. That, As advertised. Yep. Minute you know, munching. Minute munching defenseman <laughs> that's that's slowly needed. I don't care. I, 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 it really bothers me that people still get frustrated that we gave up a first-round pick for this guy. And gave him eight years. And gave yeah. him eight years. The contract yeah. is tradable down the line, too, the way that yeah. they structured it. Yeah. I think uh, Hampus Lindholm, if you didn't have him, you'd be in a bad situation right now. Oh, yeah. yeah Especially with McAvoy out. Very, very bad. Yeah. I mean, Lin- Lindholm is a legitimate top pairing guy. Legitimate. And that is something that we've been missing on that left side for many seasons now. How many, uh, how and that- many teams? Here's, the, here's my question for you, Kevin, because I know you have this answer on the top on the top of your head. How many teams right now would Hampus Lindholm be a number one defenseman on? I, In my opinion, almost every single one of them. I was going to say, my Amesbury math says 31. <laughs> In, including the Bruins. Yeah, yes. yes definitely. Absolutely. definitely. He's, he's up there, you know, and he could be a number one on certain teams, and he can be a, a number two on almost every single, I mean, other yeah. teams. But, yeah, I'd say there's not a single, I mean, maybe you could say, no, no. I was going to say maybe you could say Nashville, but no, I don't think you can even say Nashville. I think I uh, think Tampa. That, I think Hedman would would still take it in uh, in Tampa, McCarr yep. in Colorado. Other than yeah, that, that's just for left side, yeah. You know, other than that, you know, imagine a team like the Leafs with a Hampus Lindholm on their blue line. Yeah, they need something like that. Yeah, they put all their eggs into their offensive basket, and it's exploding. Yeah. And the Bruins have two of them in McAvoy and Lindholm. And we complain and we complain about the, the trade and the contract. <laughs> we don't. We do not. <laughs> Sensible people don't, don't complain. 
Oh man, I mean, uh, the, funny. the way that Don Sweeney, in my eyes, has redeemed himself from when he first started, is fantastic. He's put together a team here today that we are watching, not even fully watching yet. That is very special. I I think he's done a fantastic job over the past few years to really go from that retool to building something. Even in 2019, I don't think that team was what we're seeing right now. I think that 2019 team had a really nice, lucky, paved road to that Stanley Cup final, in my opinion. Toronto was their biggest hump to get over, getting to that Stanley Cup final. And then the rest of the way, I mean, come on, the Jackets, the Hurricanes, come on. I mean. Yeah, yeah but, you know, people make that argument, Kevin, but I say, well, okay, but the ja- the Jackets did uh, sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, but, I, but I think the Tampa Bay Lightning did that to themselves more than Columbus did that to them. What, in my what's to say the Bruins couldn't have done the same thing? Maybe they could have. But I like their chances almost 100% more against well, Columbus than. Well, I understand. I, I get your point. I think that this team is, is worth getting more excited about than the 2019 team. I think this team can beat Tampa. I think this team can beat Colorado. I, I Honestly, Dom, I, there's not a single team out there that I don't think this team will be able to beat when healthy. When healthy. I think they can beat. Every team in this league, and not not soundly, not handedly. Of course, it's going to be good games, tough games. Yeah, but they have a chance to win against every single team in this league and in a seven game series. Oh, you, I fully believe that. Yeah, you know when when those players come back, like McAvoy and Marshan, it's going to take a an, a higher rise in, in the competitive nature. You know, so it's going to be exciting to see from what we're seeing. And like I said, if we I said it during the offseason. As long as this Boston Bruins team can just keep their nose above water and and play a little above 500, maybe a little, you know, it's not going to be so bad when it comes down to gauging where you're going to be in the playoff picture at the American Thanksgiving threshold. Um, I think there's a lot of things that can be it, – it's still a work in progress. These are all great things that we're seeing, but I don't think this Boston Bruins team has seen the full extent of what the league can actually bring at you Without these players, I mean, uh, just coming up this week, I mean, Dallas is going to be a, a true test, um, you know. And but can they be beat? Sure. I didn't mm-hmm. think that the Boston Bruins could could keep up with um, the Florida Panthers, but they did it, and they did it physically as well. I mean, that bottom six on that Florida Panthers um, uh, matchup, to me, I thought was going to get outworked, but you know, at the end of the day, we outworked them, and and it was a surprise to see. It's nice to see how we can get underneath the, the, the skin of other teams that are always uh, pesty and so on. You know, the Matt Kachuk kind of teams and so on that are going to try to, like, get you off your game. They, they have their Marshans. Marshans are all over the league that people don't understand, and it's effective. It really is. Mark and Dom, I have a question for you guys. We'll see if you answer it the way I'd answer it. Actually, it's like, well, yeah. So one of the biggest things that – Boston Bruins fans have complained about over the past few seasons when it comes to this team and their mentality is what? Physicality. Physicality, softness, right? They're too soft. They're not physical enough. 
what I'm seeing from this team right now is a team that is not going to go out there and be soft and not put up with, and they're going to, they're not going to put up with any crap. I mean, I've seen even Brandon Carlo before he went down. I've, I saw him using the body. I mean, he had six hits in that first game season. And that's what ticks me off about Frederick because when, and I, and I know you said that he would be your odd man out guy on the left side, mine too. But where you have Felino, uh, AJ Greer, um, uh, Connor Clifton, McAvoy when when he gets back, Carlo, like you said in the, the first game of the season, uh, Forber, uh, to a lesser extent, that are all willing to dish out punishment, even Zaka to, uh, to a little extent, you know. Um, I remember him back in junior, that, like he would really, really, really take the body, but I, it's, it's what ticks me off so much with Frederick because we should be including him in with those guys when we have this conversation, and, and unfortunately we're not. Yeah. Nope. Because he does it I, in the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like he doesn't have a safe word. That's the way I like to put it. He's got no safe word. He just goes out there and he'll do whatever the hell he wants at yeah. times. There are times where he gets railed in by the um by the coaching staff where they just say, Hey, you need to cut the shit. But I feel like when they do that to him, his game drops off. Yeah. It's almost like you know, it's it's almost like you gotta let him be who he is or you're not getting anything out of him. And I don't want to let him be who he is because who he is scares the shit out of me. He crosses the line way too many times. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely unfortunate and it's frustrating. I get it. But when, when, when we're talking about this type of physicality and so on, I always like, we, we need to do it internally. We have members like Frederick that can do it. Ken, Ken is the key word here. Is he putting his best effort out there? I don't believe so, but it, there's still, I mean, Montgomery's still giving him a ton of chances. I mean, he's still stuck on that third line right next to Coyle all the time, you know. And and f- sometimes it flops between AJ Greer when he's in the lineup, but it, he's given the chances. So, yeah, I mean, he at the end of the year, him. or he even bench him, Mark. he did bench yeah. him last game with New Felino. Yes, that's true. That is true. I, I forgot to okay. I forgot to mention that. But you know, I mean, you just you just gotta you dig down deep and do whatever you gotta do. Follow through with your hits and so on, but also be smart enough that don't put your your team uh, ten steps behind with a, a turnover or a stupid play. I mean, it, it, I get it, I do get it, but I just wanted to see much better. Here's one thing we gotta clear up about Monty here and and how he's a player's coach and i've brought this argument before just go look go look back and see the comments jim montgomery made about jamie ben and tyler sagan back in dallas yeah uh you know everybody looks for that to greater take it out on on uh bruce cassidy uh but jim montgomery has so far this season Bench Pavel Zaka for a bad play way back, and I think it was the second or third game of the season. Uh, benched and moved down uh, Trent Frederick just yesterday. Has scratched 
Craig Smith for two games. Jackson Nika, very, very limited opportunity for one game and doesn't know if he'll get another chance. So let's not say that 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 Jim Montgomery is this angel compared to Bruce Cassidy. He's an NHL coach. He will do what an NHL coach needs to do. And that is exactly what Bruce Cassidy did. So I, I'm, I'm not buying into that argument. Um, one, one more big one that you missed there. He benched Taylor Hall for almost an entire third period. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. Well, so the accountability is being spread all down, all down the, the, the bench right. when needed. It's right. not, it's not a favoritism thing or not at all. If you're, if you're a fourth line grinder, not producing like, like, like uh, Trent Frederick or you're a, uh, you know, world-class athlete like Taylor Hall, if, if he sees something, he's going to notice it and you're going to sit. So that's just a, that's just an act of motivation. In my opinion, everybody can, everybody should be set at 99%. Nobody does it for a hundred. You always have that 1% to work for. So dig deep and get it done. Speaking of digging deep and getting things done, you should go over to show sponsor betonline.ag and get yourself an account. Uh, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. As, as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and major events. You can place a wager on games in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head over to betonline.ag website today and sign up to be eligible to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first cash deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive the amazing rewards Bet Online has to offer regularly. Also, we ask that you please get your gamble on in a responsible manner. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, we are back. We love BetOnline.ag. Been a sponsor with us for a long time. And yeah, I love betting. I'm not good at it, but I like I like to place a, a little wager here. It's a lot of fun. I don't get crazy with it. But I'm sorry, Dom. I, I cut you off uh, on on something you were trying to say when I was doing. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to segue into something for you or not, Mark. But and I know we're recording this, so fans will probably know about it before we hear from they hear it here. But Fabian Lysel will miss another game this afternoon. Uh, we're recording this two hours before the game, I believe. Right? Yes. Right now, so games on at three o'clock. Yeah, so uh, he will miss uh, today's game. Uh, again, I know he took a big hit there. I think you were at the game, or at least you watched the game. He took a big hit Friday, Mark. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was in, um, in a collision uh, that was that was uh, not involved with Johnny Beecher or anything like that, but just like an unfortunate cut in and then he hit a body and so on but i didn't think it was that bad but it, obviously it triggered something so yeah so he's out for today so i don't know if that's going to segue into uh anything for you guys i was kind of thinking like kevin over there is is counting on craig smith being the guy being traded so uh i guess there's a little segue for you i think that craig smith 
is the expendable guy right now. I mean, you could even go as far as talking about a guy like Mike Riley too. Um, but for me, Craig Smith is the guy. When you have Nick Felino doing what he's doing, I understand it's early, and Nick Felino could tail off tomorrow, and you know guys like AJ Greer could tail off tomorrow. But you have other guys too, and you have a deadline. If you really needed to address it at the deadline, you can address it at the deadline. You have the, all these areas and things you can do, but you have to shed salary regardless. Uh, I know Dom said Nick Felino might be a good one. Dom, honestly, that's not a bad idea either. With the way Nick Felino is playing, you might actually be able to get a damn return for him. Yeah. Um, so that's not a bad idea too. But if you want to win a cup this year, like it seems like management and the players want to do, keeping a guy like Nick Felino around seems like a really good idea. So that's a tough situation. Uh, so for me, it's, it's really Smith and Riley. So let's compare, for the sake of fun, Fabian Lysel's path to David Pasternak's path. Pasternak went to the AHL, played, I, I don't know, do you have the numbers in front of you, Mark, how many games he played in the for Providence? I'll pull um, it up. Well, keep talking. I'll pull it up. Now we have Lysel there doing the same thing. Pasternak went to the World Junior Championships uh, for – for the Czech Republic at the time, Chechia now. Lysel is likely headed to the World Junior Championships for for Sweden. Uh, and then was it right after Pasternak came to the NHL or did he go back to the AHL for a few games? He started in the N- NHL and then just couldn't get any consistency and then spent, I think, 12 games down in the A and then got brought back up. And then got brought back up. Um, how many games did he have, Kevin? So in 2014-2015, he had 25 games in Providence, scoring 11 goals and 17 assists for 28 points and was a plus 15. Lysel's numbers are, what, what is he, four goals, six points now through four games, I believe it is. He's trending the same way as Pasternak. We know Sweden is going to have him on the World Junior Championship roster, whether the Bruins give him permission to go like they did Pasternak at the time. Do you guys see a situation for Lysel like David Pasternak? I think we've. I think both Mark and I have both left the door open for something like that. We just both think it's probably best for any player to get a full season in the uh, American Hockey League. But, um, of course, I mean, if if the situation warrants it and um, Lysel is absolutely tearing up Providence and they need someone like that to come up, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Hey, Dom, I got, now I'm going to throw this question back to you again, okay? So, but I want to talk about the uh, developmental spectrum between 2012 when, or whenever David Pasternak came into the league till now. I think, now in my personal opinion, and I definitely could be wrong on this and and just reaching a little bit, but I kind of think that they really wanted to rush David Pasternak into the lineup for to create more offense back then and were willing to like do whatever they needed to do. Where I see a similar path that David Pasternak took to and what Fabian Lysel might take, but they're more breeding patience upon themselves to to properly 
develop a player like Fabian and give him what he needs, but not to immediately have to like say, Hey, we need this, uh, this, uh, this young talent immediately in our roster. So, so would you kind of consider there's, there's two different scenarios between the players when it comes to development and, and how fast we really need this player into the NHL? I, I totally, it's like, the difference is what well, the Bruins are what now the highest scoring team in the NHL right now. I know that's pretty crazy. Uh, so they don't need Fabian Lysel to come up and score goals like they needed David Pasternak, like you said. The the thing now, Mark, is entry level contracts and and coming out of entry level contracts has so much effect on what a player what a team does with the player and and there's mixed reviews on how teams should handle it. So Fabian Lysel, because he signed as an 18 year old uh, last year, he played in the WHL. So his contract slid for a season. So his entry level contract didn't burn a year this year because he signed as an 18 year old. If he does not play in 10 NHL games, AHL doesn't matter. If he signed as a 19-year-old, AHL would matter. But because he signed as an 18-year-old, AHL does not matter. His contract will slide again. So it won't start until next year. So in actual fact, the Bruins have him under contract control for five years. Wow. Even though he only signed a three-year entry-level contract. God, I missed you. (laughs) So... Here, here's where NHL teams are now mixed on what they should do. Because he spent two years developing, let's say he doesn't play in 10 NHL games this year. Next year will be his first year of his entry-level contract, whether it be in the AHL or the NHL. And he starts to burn it up, okay? His contract will expire in three years and he will already have achieved top-level player he can be, meaning he's going to earn that huge payday. However, had the Bruins burned off a year last year and burned off a year this year, there would be one year left on his contract, which would be next year, where they could sign him to a bridge deal. So instead of paying him $7, 8000000 million per year on his next contract, they could have him for... Two and a half, three million dollars on his next contract. So teams are now confused. I don't want to say confused. They have mixed feelings on how they should deal with players under his uh, his situation. It's some teams say it's better to let him burn off that entry level contract right away because you can sign him for cheaper on a second deal. Um, an- another thing too to throw in there, not as gonna, it's not going to be as extravagant as what Dom just said, but it is a thing. Um, it, Mark touched on it a bit with the goal scoring part of it, but another part of it is too is that Boston at that point was at the beginning of a retool. They right. had the opportunity to fit a guy like David Pasternak into the lineup and allow him to take his bumps and make his mistakes without really any worry about it kind of coming back on them. I mean, they still wanted to be competitive, but they also knew what they had in this player and they wanted to see him 
go ahead and just get his feet wet and get it going. This is a totally different situation. This is a team right now who, like Mark said, is scoring at an unbelievable rate at the moment. And they have a lot of NHL ready players and players who are, you know, ready to go that can step into this lineup. They have a full top six that Lysel is not taking any of them out of there at this moment. Allow him to continue doing what he's doing in Providence. Like Dom was just talking about, allow him to have that contract slide to next year. When you have guys like Nick Foligno, um, you have guys like Craig Smith, you have these guys coming off the books and out of your lineup, and you can now give him possibly a space to come in and work his magic. So that's just you know my opinion on it. All right, moving on to another topic. We will talk a little bit a little bit about the Providence Bruins later on if we can fit it in. I do have some uh, stuff that some exciting stuff to talk about, especially some some players that are really, really playing well in the early part of the 2022-23 season. Um, and his mother was happy that you're talking nice about him. One who? of the guys that you're talking about, uh, top top pro. T- I can't say his. Oh, name. Oh, Toporowski. Yes, Luke? I saw his mother liked yeah. or yeah, his, his dad. His dad him. follows me and so on, so it's pretty cool. His dad was a badass back in the day. You should see his uh, his uh, hockey DB. Look at his penalty minutes. It's, it's freaking crazy. <laughs> I'll check it out. Kevin mentioned David Pasternak. Uh, so his second contract was worth $6.6 million for what? Six years. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Bruins could do the same thing with Fabian Lysel. Because now they have him under that contract for five years, you're not getting him for $6.6 million on a second contract because he will already have been a pro for five years. Zidane Chara was in the house at TD Garden yesterday to drop the the puck before the uh, game between the Boston Bruins and the Minnesota Wild. And um, great moment for Z, who uh, re- just recently retired and uh, after a, a very long career in the NHL and and uh, good on him to be recognized. But uh, more or less, I just wanted to bring this up because the fact is that a lot of people got frustrated about this, saying that there should have been more done for him and not just to come out and, and do it. Uh, just, you know, drop the puck and then scoot on out and, and, and it's game time. There's a few people on, on the uh, Internet out there that would seem to be that that was a, um, uh, a kind of a slap in the face to the, uh, the to the veteran who uh ultimately change the dynamic and the culture here in Boston. But um, I just want to just kind of mention to those folks who think that it was kind of classless of the Boston Bruins organization to, to do something like this, that this might be just a process in the, of, of things to come. I think that a ceremonial face-off will come and then sooner or later, whether it be this year or next year, who knows, I don't have any, um, any uh, valid notes or, or, you know, any official news, but I think there's going to be a banner raising. I think that 33 is going to be in the rafters. And I, I honestly think that that type of uh, celebration will come sooner or later. So uh, I just, I don't think the Boston Bruins did Daniel, Daniel Chara any wrongdoing at all by, by having a moment like that. So uh, I believe there's more to come and obviously, you know, first ballot hall of famer, in my opinion. No, I agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. I don't see it as a slap in the face. I mean, they signed the guy to a one-year, uh, sorry, a one-day contract to end his career as a Boston Bruin. All Boston Bruins were in attendance, or if not most, were in attendance for that ceremony that they had for his contract signing. 
They gave him a night where he was able to drop the puck. They did a nice video package for him. Um, I think that was fantastic. He was able to bring his kids out on the ice to share the moment with him. Um, and like you said, I think moving forward, not only is there going to be a place for him in the organization, if he wanted to be, whether it's player development or any type of thing like that, but also I, I, as you do think that his, um, his number will be raised to the rafters at some point. Number 33 will no longer be able to be uh, used ever again. Um, and that's going to be quite the spectacle. So I, I see no issue with what they've done for Zidane Chara thus far. Don, what are your thoughts on Zidane Chara's uh, ceremonial puck drop? And do you believe that there's more more to come in the uh, in the future of celebrating this uh, this this hockey legend? Oh, definitely. That that 33 is going up in the rafters. It's just um, a, a matter of time. It's just now. Do the Bruins do it when they face the New York Islanders when they drafted him, or do they do it when they play the Ottawa Senators when, where, um, Zidane had some good years? Um, uh, this was just a precursor to that. I don't know if somebody's making a big deal out of it or not on the internet. They shouldn't be. Uh, it was the perfect thing to do at the at the. Start of the year and towards the end of the year, retire his jersey. So, Dom, you ready to cut out of here? Yeah, I've got to cut it short, boys. Uh, unfortunately, some of the medication I got to take is starting to take effect and uh, uh, got to go lay down for a bit. Okay, uh, Dom, this has been amazing. I know it's been tough to sit in front of a computer for more than five or 10 minutes at a time, but you almost gave us an hour and a half. and. And I cannot thank you enough uh, for, for sitting with us today. It's, it feels really good to have you back and hear your voice and us as a group uh, back talking hockey again. And hopefully we can do this more often. And please yeah. don't, don't hesitate to let us know if you just want to stop in for 20 minutes or a half an hour. You, sir, are always welcome because you're an element to this, this program and uh, a, a huge contributor to its success. And we love you. We, we can't stop you know loving the guy that – that um, we brought on and, and and so happy that you are with us. And, um, you know, obviously keep in touch on the uh, DMs uh, about everything that's going on. And if you ever need to talk, you know that you can always reach out to us. Well, do boys. Much appreciated. All right, my friend. Uh, have, have a great rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, George, yeah. you I, I haven't got the energy right now. <laughs> I, I've been doing it for you in the past couple of weeks, my friend. Yeah, I've Another heard. Time. I've heard. So you do it for me today. Absolutely. Thanks, right. boys. Love we'll you, man. You. Take care, brother. Absolutely amazing to have him on, and and just God, he it doesn't seem like he uh, he missed a step in the in the in the five weeks that he hasn't been around since the uh, the unfortunate health uh, health hazard that he had. So. Yep. And this is the medication. This is the medication that's causing this thing, as he said. So once yep. eventually down the road, when he's able to be off this medication, he's going to be able to do stellar. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and like, like I said earlier, it's just amazing that he got to, he was able to sit with us for a, a good hour and a half or close to it, you know, and yep. so this might be something that we can move forward with, you know, if he, if he obviously if he feels up to it, I, I don't pressure anybody to do anything. So, but if he exactly. feels up to it, he can always just stop in for a couple minutes and just say hi. Let everybody know he's around. I know a lot of folks have been asking about his health and so on and when he's coming back. 
because you know so many rely on the thirst of knowledge that 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 guy has you know mm-hmm. and and that's a big reason reason why we, we've gained numbers and and you know more attention to our program our weekly program when we talk boston Bruins hockey from the nhl down to the prospects worldwide so and it's a lot of fun and it's always good to have him on there because everybody's learning everybody's learning when when we seem to come on you know we all have some decent takes yeah <laughs> dom dom brings an aspect to this podcast that you don't really get to see in a lot of other podcasts and that is his extreme knowledge of how the other side of this game works within management within the cap details contracts all of it i mean that is an extremely valuable asset and tool to have and i mean obviously his you know his um wisdom on this on the ice is also top notch as well so that is great but um he gives us a good aspect to it and we love you, man. And we're happy that you were able to come on. And now the train keeps rolling. Absolutely. And if you want to follow the great Dom Tiano, follow him at on Twitter at Dom Tiano and uh, read his stuff on Dom.hockey because he's got some amazing articles talking about the Bruins prospects more, more importantly, and, uh, and some uh, NHL Bruins news that he jots down and so on when he, when he can. So Always a good read and always very insightful and, and just happy that he's a part of this team. All right. Uh, moving on to the next topic before we hit another commercial break. We do not have one from Bruce Sullivan, so I'll do a can I wellness. But um, Boston Bruins forward, uh, Craig Smith. I know we touched on him a little bit, but I, I do want to get into, um, you know, the scratch and so on. He's it's starting to be a little more inconsistent and so on. And I think that Jim Montgomery really noticed that. And obviously you got the scratch for the two, two games, but what did you see in the game against the Minnesota wild that rejuvenated your thoughts on, he could be a better player in this system and a guy that we could actually rely on moving forward. Yeah. I think he definitely had a better game um, than he has in the past. I still don't see, um, you know, the Craig Smith that we, are used to seeing, especially in the first season that we had him and uh, more than not in last season, I see a lot of people dogging on him for last season, but I still think you saw a committed player who was out there giving it his all. He may not have, you know, put up 20, 20 plus goals and, you know, giving you, you know, that stuff on the stat sheet, but he was still there, you know, chugging along. But for th- in this game, one thing that I did notice was flashes of his board work. Um, he, he is very tenacious on the boards. He's able to get in there. He's able to get away with pucks, you know, uh, get an outlet pass, whether it's to a defenseman or a player in the slot. That's something I've seen from him quite a bit. And that's something I did see from him yesterday. Um, another thing too, is I saw him being able to jump up on the play a lot better, kind of read the ice a little bit more with the players around him and put himself into favorable positions to shoot. Um, I'm going to look up exactly how many shots he did have last game. But Craig Smith definitely had his best game so far of the season. I mean, he's an even zero with plus minus. I don't really pay attention to that stat much, but sometimes it can be, um, you know, uh, something to look at, but not right now. But through four games, he has two assists. Um, You can't really... You, you can't really completely hate on the play. You got to kind of reserve it a little bit, allow it, whether it's because there's a new system in place and a new head coach and he needs to get used to that, or maybe he's just losing a little bit of his steam. 
We're not too sure yet, but well, um, yeah. I, I I use like Charlie Coyle as an example of of stretches of frustration when you know you're not point productive. You know, the, mm-hmm. I mean, Charlie Coyle has different attributes of his game that make impacts every every game. You know, his puck possession is one of them, and and Craig Smith is his his forte um, per se is shooting. When you get the puck, you put it mm-hmm. on net. There's stretches of, of of games where where he can be unnoticeable, especially on the score sheet, and and you know while everybody else around him is is point producing in the bottom um, six uh, offense, it, you wonder where he's going to be and where he's coming. And I know I, I understand what you just said. You know you need, you need the adjustment um, scenario, a new new voice, new coach, and so on, trying to find your bearings and blah blah blah. But he's a veteran; he should be able to get it too. But that's the most frustrating thing is somebody that puts the puck on so much is not getting those, those, that finish, those, those real opportunities to, to really put the secondary scoring of this Boston Bruins team over a huge threshold and make them even more of a threat moving forward. So it, it's not that I don't like Craig Smith. I, I kind of look at it as a business with my business bifocals on and just say, mm-hmm. that's, that's something that we need to, uh, you know, free up a roster spot, but not only that, but also be cap compliant. And I like the idea that Dom brought earlier about maybe it's maybe it's needs to happen now that a move has to be made b- before we get to the point where Charlie McAvoy is absolutely ready, and that AAV to jump back on off of LTIR and get back into the into the whole cap scheme and be cap compliant then. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that could happen, you know, and I, I do want to give the player the benefit of the doubt, but I'm also just like, Jesus, I'm kind of waiting for, you know, something to happen. And I understand I was a little hard on him last year, but I just, there was stretches that he just, he wasn't around, but there was times that, you know, he caught a hat trick last year. And I was like, man, this is what I want to see. Let's get on a mm-hmm. roll from here moving forward. And then he goes six, seven, eight games without even an assist. Through four games played for him so far, Mark, he has four shots. It's that, unacceptable. Yeah, it needs to be, like like I'm saying, like all the stuff that people were saying and all the analytics and underlying numbers or whatever you want to call them was saying this guy just put so much rubber on the net. Where's the pen? Yeah, it, it, so far it's definitely down. Uh, he had two shots last game. So far, that's the most shots he's had in the game. Uh, one of them was very impactful on that three on one. Um, he was able to get a good shot off it. It produced it produced a good rebound. If someone was there, that that would have been very helpful. Um, he did take 20 shifts for 12 minutes and 20 seconds of total uh, time on ice. So um, his ice time was there-ish. Usually he's between that 1230 and like 1350 mark. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I saw good things from him yesterday, and I'm hoping that that continues moving forward. But if they were to try and trade him and were able to succeed in trading him, to, like let's say tomorrow, um, you have options, you know, you have options that you can do until a guy like Martian comes back. You could do a Frederick Coyle, Felino third line while having a Greer, Nosek, Lauko, uh, fourth line. Uh, you could even give Stanika another try in there, but I don't think they really miss a beat if they lose Craig Smith. Um, so trying to get something like that done now, sooner than later, like you were just talking about, I think would be very beneficial. Um, and then maybe if you need to do another one, like, I think, I think Dom was saying that 
you probably have to clear some more after that. Um, so maybe they try to move Riley. Maybe they don't, but you know, maybe you look to do Riley a little bit later on, but there's going to be no package. Uh, there's going to be nothing coming back to this team of worth. So if you're expecting to trade Craig Smith for yeah. a third round pick, it's not going to happen. Um, and, and it, not just the play on the ice. It's also because of the situation that the Boston Bruins are in right now. Uh, they have to clear the space. I mean, like I used earlier, look at Vegas. Vegas had to give up Mac, Max Pacioretty for future considerations. That yes. is insane. I know. That's insane. So a future consideration thing, but you might have to throw a sweetener in there, whether that's a you know later round pick, maybe a mid-round pick to later round pick, or a player like a Jack Studnika who just needs a little bit. Maybe he just needs a new – a new place to play. Maybe needs yep. a change of scenery, you know, something like that, you know, but you're not going to get like a Fabian Lysel attached to him or a first round pick. I think that's bonkers. That's not the route that we're in here. This isn't a David Backus type of situation or a Bolesky type of situation where you need to attach a first round pick to a player to get yep. rid of him. It's not what we're dealing with here. My, my, my thought on Craig Smith real quick before we uh, hear from can uh, I wellness is, is, there's two two avenues that can be explored when you're talking about this player. Number one, it's cap relief. Number two, it's a roster spot. So you you pretty much, if you move him, you, you, like you said, you're not bringing on a player because money needs to work. It's not just not not just the roster spot and so on, but money needs to work too. But also, if you're really seriously going for it and you need to add your depth by adding a, a speedy winger. That might also be an opportunity to look at a player like Fabian Lysel. Hopefully, he's healthy by then, or mm-hmm. or even a, or even a um, Mark McLaughlin who could play the right side as well, be slotted somewhere because of you know you opened up a spot for the rest of the season until a hopeful playoff is uh, you know position is opened up and you know. But anyway, waiver except Mark McLaughlin, so perfect guy yes. to bring up there. And- yes. I mean, I believe Fabian Lysel is also waiver exempt too. So yes, absolutely. Um, so that wouldn't be an issue either. And a guy like Merkulov, another guy who is waiver exempt. Yeah, I believe. And we'll talk about all those. Back. Talk about all those players uh, later on when I talk about the Providence Bruins and how they've started their season so far. But let's talk about the uh, great folks at Can I Wellness. Can I Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Can I sleep? Can I mend? Can I fresh? And can I boost? It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts in four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store and they're in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the CanI Wellness Company to support high performance. Let's talk about each product quickly. CanI Boost allows you to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before your workout when studying for an exam and other times you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. Can I Men provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. The unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your bodies to combat headache, sickness, and lack of energy. Can I Fresh? Can I Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. 
Whether you're nervous before a presentation or need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Can I Fresh take the edge off without making you tired or unmotivated. And finally, Can I Sleep? Can I Sleep? This is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid and is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages or waiting for gummies to kick in. Just spray, roll over, and snooze. Control your doshas on how much sleep you actually need. If you want to try any of these amazing Can I Fresh and all natural oral sprays, please go to caniwellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That's BNG25 to get 25% off everything on the caniwellness.com website. We thank Can I Wellness for sponsoring this episode and our weekly Boston Bruins related podcast. God, I'm getting better at those ad reads every day. Yeah. And you were right. Like I said, I keep pumping your tires on the suggestion. Let's do them live and let's, you know, do this and that and be more engaging and then sounding like a goddamn robot that's reading a script uh, every week, right? It's fun, though. <laughs> it is. It I is. Like it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we are back talking Boston Bruins hockey for the last half hour of the program. And if you stayed up, Till this stayed up like it like it's a school night. But if you <laughs> if you if you stayed with us and listening and watching on YouTube, please subscribe. By the way, like subscribe and hit the notification bell. We'd certainly appreciate that. But uh, we also appreciate everybody that does everything for us and supports our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk. Um, here's here's one that really kind of brought Boston Bruins nation into kind of a hizzy. Uh, AJ Greer gets a healthy scratch yesterday against the Minnesota wild. And um, I want to get your thoughts on this because I kind of think that you're uh, a rational person that kind of figured this out as well as myself, but others didn't see kind of what the message was there. So what were your thoughts on a player like this? That's come to, to come to the Boston Bruins organization with something to prove as a guy that has did not secure a roster spot when he signed as a free agent and still had to work his ass off just to get there. And, and what we've seen from the off season to now is something special uh, and to a Boston Bruins team that does need that little bit of increased physicality. Yeah. So I saw what Monty had to say when it comes to AJ Greer and the healthy scratch for him. And I understand what he's saying. I, I, I get what he's saying. Um, it makes sense. This player is not, it's a 25 year old kid. I mean, I'm just not, I, I, I'm not sure he needs that break. I'm sure Greer was sitting there scratching his head saying, oh, what? I'm, I'm good. What, what do you mean? I'm fine. Like what? I'm, I'm absolutely fine. I'm in tip top shape. I'm feeling great. I can play what I, I just don't see I, 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 if he want, if, if he wanted to do it because he wants to rotate more guys in and keep everyone fresh. Okay. I, I'll get on board with that. But the, the explanation of, Oh, you know, he plays a hard nose game and he's going to, you know, basically he's afraid what he's going to get injured. I mean, so you're going to not play certain players at times because you're afraid they're going to get injured because they play hard, you know, like, people like Marshan or, you know, guys like that. I just, I don't know. I, I just think the reasoning, I, I get what he's trying to say, but he's a 26, it's 25 year old kid who's falls to the wall, having the time of his life right now. He's doing the best he's ever done in the NHL. I mean, I just didn't see, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of, after a lot of time of thinking about it, I'm still kind of not really cool with the, with, with the decision. 
I, I'm I was puzzled myself, but I also didn't fire from the hip and and discuss and and invent it on uh, Twitter or, or social media or anything like that. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those. No, I'm just kidding. I did. <laughs> but no, it kind of brought me back to looking at the schedule. It's like on Friday the 21st, there was a full day off. There might have been a team practice and so on, but that's. You know, you are burning a little bit of calories on those days, but it's not like game day when you're going to be, you know, busting your ass and so on, and and you might get tired. That's the conversation I thought I was going to hear from a a head coach like Jim Montgomery back on like Monday and Tuesday of last week when they played the Florida Panthers and and Ottawa Senators. That's Mm. the conversation I would I would have loved to hear after the Ottawa game, saying that hey since it's a back-to-back and we're traveling to auto, we're going to arrest AJ Greer to get somebody else in there. Now that's yes, that, the that, timing. That'd be to- totally valid. I mean, you know what? That's fine. Don't burn the guy out. But when the guy has a full day off, I, I totally get it. But also we have to understand that what's being seen in practice is not what we're seeing all the time. I'm not at the warrior ice arena all the time. Like I, I wish I was, mm-hmm. but what what's being what's being done behind the closed doors to to really initiate Jim Montgomery to make a decision like that? Take out a guy that's been really busting his freaking ass. Well, we might not see it. Something might have happened in practice that Jacob, I mean Jacob Lauko might have been that much better, or or Craig Smith was absolutely sick and tired of sitting you know upstairs for two straight games and just outperform somebody in practice. It happens. You know, if you're not going to work on the ice and you're not going to work in practice, your your roster spot is pretty much on the edge and teetering of, you know, we're not going to play you. So it's either you put in 110% or you don't, whether it be game time or practice time. It's just one of those decisions that it, it kind of puzzles me, but I kind of understood as well. Yeah. And I, you know, and it, we know it's definitely not anything to do with AJ Greer's health because had, had he even went to Montgomery and said, Hey, I'm feeling a little sore. Is there any way we could possibly make it so I can sit a game or something like that? We would have heard about that. He, his, his, his decision-making on that would have been, you know, he's feeling a little bit sore, so we're going to give him the game off. And, you know, he, I fully expect him to be ready to go Tuesday, you know, something like that. You know, that's what we would have heard, but we didn't, you know, so I don't know. I'm with you. I'm, I understand what he's trying to say, but between the timing of it, when there was other games and other times where you could have seen him sit like maybe Anaheim or that's that Ottawa senators game. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it was just weird. The whole thing is just weird. Um, but Hey, you know, there's a lot of guys who can play in the lineup right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, we won the game. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I feel like we would have won that game with him in there. And as you saw, we won it without him in there. So, yep. you know, it's it's nothing that I'm going to sit here and make a huge fuss over. But who knows? Maybe this is another one of Jim Montgomery's, um, you know, motivating factors. Like, let's see what this type of player can come and do after two days of rest and, 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 and a game at TD Garden against the Dallas Stars. Um, yep. This coming week, you know, maybe he gets back in the lineup and we see like the, the best career we've ever seen. Then are we going to be questioning, you know, uh, his his scratch then? You know, it might just be something that is just you need to get in these in these guys heads, no matter what level they're at and how well they're doing. They can always do that much better. And I think yep. that having guys that complement that that bottom six offensive roles like the Felinos and. And the, you know the no sex and blah 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 down there 
it's just going to be positive moving forward because like I said before, when we talked to Dom, those are the types of style games, those grindy types of lines that really win you championships. And we've seen that within a trend of the last several years with the Tampa Bay's and, and obviously, you know, the, uh, the Colorado avalanche teams and, and, and blah, 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 all these teams that have bulked up on, on, on lower salaries, but grinding type players like, um, like uh, the guy in Tampa Bay, I can't, I can never remember his name. Um, oh god, he's a pain in the ass. Pat Maroon. Yeah, yeah. So types of players like that. So, all right, um, let's get through these topics. We're kind of running out of time a little bit. Um, I need to know what's going on with Jack Sidnika. What are we? Where are we going with this type of player who continues to have opportunities but yet show anything um, to be? sexy about i mean to really say that he deserves to be in this lineup i and and i'll go first real quick i just think that the last game was like the writing on the wall that he might be a leverage piece in in, in a trade if you need to like uh boost up your defense uh during the season or or anything else or i i honestly don't think that this player should be on the lineup or or with the bruins after the trade deadline because i'm just not seeing his path. Uh, I, I don't know. Hopefully he's not going through any, any, uh, you know, mental illnesses and so on. And, and I know struggles can be very, very bad you know, on them, on the mind and shit. Hopefully he's all good and so on. But, you know, I just wanted to see the uh, player that was solely highly touted as being one of the best for Austin Bruins prospects to actually break through and show us why he was picked in the second round. And, you know, I just, I'm just not seeing it. And I, I'd hate to lose a player like this if they're, if the Bruins are forced to put him on waivers just to to get him down to Providence. Yeah, I've been on record talking about how uh, Studnika to me is just – he's not what we thought he was going to be. I don't think he is – at this point, I don't even know if he's NHL ready. Um, you know, I've I've talked with plenty of people who tell me, well, you know, he needs to get more opportunity, this, that, and that, but – one of the differences you see between you see between a player like that um, and players who get those opportunities and run with them is that just that those those players that get the opportunities they take them and they run with them. Jackson Nika has not done that once, in my opinion. He's 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 wowed at preseason. I'll give him that. He's been a preseason hero, but. When it comes to the regular season hockey, I haven't seen anything from him when he steps on the ice that makes me believe that he is an NHL player at this point. And uh, I don't want to sit here and say that he's a career AHL lifer. I don't want to say that because I want to see him get an opportunity in another situation. Um, A good situation for him might be a place like Seattle, to be honest. Um, Jay Leach is over there, someone who is – you know, worked with Jack before. I'm sure he would love to bring in a player like that to see if they can get anything out of him. Um, so that could be a favorable situation for him, uh, a place where he can go and work through any types of areas of his game that he needs to at the NHL level and not get benched every five seconds because of it. I mean, this is a team in the Boston Bruins who is very competitive and looking to not only get a playoff berth, but to win a Stanley Cup. Um, and it's not the time to be allowing players like Jack Studnika and maybe some others who just aren't really getting it. Like, look at Lauko. Look at Lauko. He came right in and said, yep, I'm here. I'm ready to be an NHL player. And he took it and ran with it. He didn't need 
seven or eight different times getting a chance in the lineup where we're finally like, oh, crap, yeah, this this player is good. So it just gets to the point for me where it's like beating a dead horse, and I'm done beating it. I could see a player like uh, Jacob Lauko being frustrated about what's being said about him and his rise to the NHL. But to be honest, I, I love the spark that he gave in the locker room. And, and, you know, that's just it's a confidence booster. But to be honest, for people that have the eye test and so on that have been watching AHL TV religiously for the past couple of years, we really didn't see it. You really didn't offer it to us to say, Jacob, you 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 need to be in this lineup as soon as possible. This is just something that he, I think, turned on himself. He's in his last year of his entry level contract, uh, and, and I just think that he needs to—he needed to really push himself to be a little more recognized for future work in this Boston Bruins organization. And so far, so good. He's reacted to it. He's moving forward. He's working harder than ever before. So good on them. I mean, it's, it's a big evaluation for a player like this. And what we're seeing in the small sample size of six games is positive. And if he's going to be one of those 13, 14 freaking rotationary forwards and in and out of the lineup, then that's fine. That's fine with me, you know, but I I like the, I like what he's doing right now, but he, he, you know, he really didn't scream out to anybody that he needed an emergency recall anytime soon. So. Yeah. I mean, and this was his first opportunity to take an NHL job and he did it. I yeah. mean, it may it may not be every night. Yeah, and, but in a, on a team where NHL jobs are regularly not available, he's making a case. I'll give you that right now. You know, if he continues doing what he's doing, he's penciled into my healthy lineup. Yep, he's penciled in there on the right side of that fourth line because I think when he's playing on that fourth line, that fourth line has a different aspect to it. So here's a question, okay? Now, we've all heard uh, the salary cap is, is possibly going up in two years, $1 million this year, $1 million next year. Things have been retracted a little bit since the Board of Governors meetings. One Gary Bettman has come out in, in, in an article on 32 uh, Thoughts, um, the article from uh, Elliot Friedman, saying that the debt that the players needed to pay has been paid off. It has aggressively been paid off. Things are really looking good. The NHL is making a lot of money right now. So Gary Bettman even flirted out there that the salary cap could be moved, jumped up to $4 million next season. So that would go from a $1 million bump to a $3 million bump, $4 million. That's my Amesbury math. I love it. So thoughts on uh, a little bit extra money would look good in uh, obviously – uh, David Pasternak, uh, you know, Fulman at the lips trying trying to get the um, the uh, extra money that he needs to get paid. Thoughts on uh, some more money coming down the tubes? Well, as someone who has been sitting here kneeling at his bedside praying every night for David Pasternak to take like an eight by eight, eight uh, an eight by eight, which we know is probably not going to happen at this point, the, an extra four million dollars onto the cap would definitely definitely be beneficial to me just just because i in my thinking i'm like okay cool yeah give him the extra two bit give him the extra two mil give him the extra two mil because you know we just got four mil put on top of it so that's great i mean i think every team could use it of course 
But the Boston Bruins, um, I think that's fantastic because they are going to still have other players that they're going to need to sign. Um, Pavel Zaka, if they decide to continue um, on with him after this season, which um, it's looking like they probably would. I don't know why they wouldn't after seeing what Pavel Zaka has been able to bring forth to the team. Even if he's only a guy giving you 40 points on a third line, that's still valuable, and he's young. He's, what, 25 years old? I mean, yep. that's that's value right there. You want something like that. So, you, you know, you can pay a player like that. You can pay Pasenak. If Krejci and Bergeron want to come back for another year, you got the space to do that too. You And here's one of the biggest things. The bonus incentive money from this season for both Bergeron and Krejci's contracts now – can be absorbed by that extra four million if that happens. Right. So look at that. You're you're in a very favorable situation. So hopefully the Boston, uh, hopefully the league is able to pull that off, uh, because I think that'd be fantastic, not only for the Boston Bruins but for the entire league. So we'll see. So um, I, we were talking about Jacob Lauko, all right, and then I went into the, the the tangent about the salary cap and the news about that. So what I was trying to get back to you was with the salary cap increase that's projected air quotes um and a final year of jacob lauco uh you know going out in the ice and showcasing his skills for future work could you see him as a permanent player on this third or fourth line next season and not fighting for a job like he is right now absolutely because i think there's gonna i think there's gonna be um some um you know some departures uh, over this off season Particularly, I don't think Craig Smith's coming back. I don't think no. that that should be something that we should do moving forward. Uh, I think that roster spot and cap hit needs to be used elsewhere. Yep. Um, if Nick Foligno wants to continue playing hockey and he wants to come back for a league minimum $1 million max, I'd take him back yep. playing the way he is now, uh, especially if they're still competing for playoff berths and Stanley Cups next season. Um, I'd take him back at that price point. Nothing more. Nothing more. I want to make that clear. I'm not looking to give another $3.8 million contract over two years or even 2.5 or two or 1.5. It's one or lower for me. Um, I, I, I'd bring him back. Craig Smith, gone. Um, Nosek, gone. Yeah. Um, he'll be gone. I, I believe this is his last year, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So Nosek, gone. I, I think a guy like um, Lauko definitely can earn himself a – Permanent. He's young. Um, he his the explosiveness to his game at the NHL level so far has been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's he's really getting himself in the mix in these games, and he's proving he belongs. So to have a nice cheap option like that, maybe he signs a one million dollar contract. Maybe he even goes for like you know eight hundred thousand or something like that. Um, I don't think you'd have to sign him to a 1.5 plus million dollar deal. I don't foresee that or even north of 1 million, Um, you know, because because as we know, Mark, um, fourth liners in this league have a shelf life on all teams. You know, that's why you're constantly trying to bring up guys from your AHL or, you know, your uh, what, you know, ECHL affiliates, all that. So Lauko could pave himself, you know, a few good years here. Maybe he does better than that. Maybe he proves he can be a third liner. Who knows? There's still a lot of season for him left to see. But as we stand right now, yeah, I would definitely um, think about getting him permanently into this team. 
And uh, while we have a few more minutes, I just want to talk about the Providence Bruins on the American Hockey League. They started their uh, regular season uh, last weekend on the on Friday, October 14th, with the home opener at um, the Amica Mutual Pavilion. And they got their first win of the season and then followed that up with a road victory in Springfield on Sunday afternoon. So going into this weekend, they had a three and three. They played Friday night to Bridgeport, uh, a team that they played just a week ago and unfortunately lost in overtime. And then last night, I, I, I believe that there was a message given from Ryan Mouchanel and coaching staff about preparedness. This, this Providence Bruins team had close to five days off with four days of practice and um, and in between games and, and came out on Friday night and just did not show up at all in the in the first half of the game. And uh, they lost in overtime with a decent effort to come back later on. But against a team like Bridgeport, I thought that they, if they came out in the beginning and really pushed, that they would have had a better time of, of getting the two points, not just only one. Um, so with that being said, uh, you know, last night's game, they, they won uh, two to one. Kyle Kaiser was absolutely amazing last night. Um, Georgie McCuloff was good. Vinny Letaria was good. And um, there's some players down there that are, 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 are some really serious point streaks right now. Um, Vinny Letaria is on a four-game point streak. Fabian Lysel, before he got injured, was on a three-game point streak. Georgie McCuloff has been a freaking a goal-scoring machine. He's, he's pretty much got points in every one of his games. Luke Toporowski has been really good as a rookie in the, uh, with, the, with the Providence Bruins. Um, Kai Wisman, Wisman, whatever you want to call him, I've been really impressed with uh, his, his, uh, in his small sample size. But there's a lot of good things. Mark McLaughlin it doesn't have a ton of points, but he's, he's been playing roles and making impacts. So, I mean, Providence has really got a nice team. And they currently sit after four games with three 0-1-1. So technically, they're undefeated on the year uh, in regulation. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Keith Kincaid is playing playing really well. Kaiser in net has two wins so far this season. Uh, I think that he's going to have a big year if he can keep it keep it you know keep a good head on his shoulders because um, it's an evaluation year for Kaiser as well. And, you know, and um, you know Brandon Bussey is down uh, in Maine. Uh, with the uh, ECHL Maine Mariners, he got his first win on Friday night on the road up in uh, up in Quebec, Canada. So uh, they're underway as well. So a lot of good things from the minor pro system moving forward. And, um, and, and you know, I'm really excited about this lineup because, I mean, with the way Merkulov and Lysel have been playing and, and Kopanen, Kopanen's just been a beast down there. Four-game point streak for him as well. Um, it's just, just a lot of fun to watch. And, and glad that we have opportunities as, as media credentialed members like myself and and Jim Swindells and other members that are going to be taking advantage of the, uh, the the interviews and so on. It's just going to be one of those really good seasons of, uh, for uh, coverage for uh, our V&G Productions team. I'm have you been happy. watching? You've been watching the AHL as well, haven't you? I haven't bought the package yet, Mark. Oh, you I'm haven't? Lie you. Haven't bought it yet. I um I was able to watch that one game. That was free on uh, yeah. last Sunday. Um, I didn't even get to catch the full game, but um, I do plan on getting the package. I'm gonna. I just need to not be lazy and just do it. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll do it today. There you go. Um, for the game at th- uh, three o'clock here. But um, no, I, I I think it's fantastic that we have these young players who are really gelling well together down there and creating something nice and special for themselves. And hopefully, it just you know gives the Boston Bruins more guys that they can bring in like 
I think that's a great spot to be in. Yeah. And, and, and folks, when you, when I put the lineups, a pregame lineups out there and please don't get frustrated. I know a lot of people on Twitter that follow me, listen to the podcast as well. And they're like, Oh my God, what is Merkulov doing on the left side on the fourth line? Or what is Lysel doing on the right side on the fourth line? These, these are, are things that developmental coaches do often. When a player needs to tighten up on some of his physicality, whether you're on the first line or fourth line, you're going to be in positions to, to learn. You're supposed to be down there and act like a sponge. So if a coaching staff sees something that a, a first-line player is not doing, it's not bad. Like, hey, your offensive skills are there as well, but your physicality is lacking a little bit. Maybe a, a game or two down in the fourth line will get you those that you know feeling that you need to play, you need to have down there, but bring it up to the first line where we expect you to be the all-around player that you can be. It's not bad. It's not like they're they're terrible prospects and they're busts, and that's why they're on the fourth line. Please right. stop using that narrative. That's that's a, a strictly shoot from the hip narrative. Like you're frustrated because your favorite prospect is playing on the fourth line. It's got nothing to do with with them being bad or not. It's just it's just how each player should learn each style of game. I mean, you know, talented players are going to be on the top line because they're that good at one thing that they're they're good at offense. Mm-hmm. And if you need to tighten up on your physicality along the boards and anything like that, a good spot to get that tutelage is to play against the same people on the same line. That's going to be grinding on you hard to make, make, uh, you know, that reasonable. So long winded answer, but blah, blah, blah. That's what I do all the time. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Merkulov was playing center on the fourth line, correct? I don't know about that. I thought I saw him on the left side, Hall on the right side, and I think even Letary was was the center on that on that particular game. Yeah, Vinny, Vinny Letary. <laughs> yeah, so for that particular game, I saw that Merkulov was penciled in on the left side in the top six. Yep. But for the games previous, he was on the fourth line at the center position. Yep. So I okay. wonder if they're trying to develop his center game in a limited role. And then when they're kind of allowing him to do his wing work, they're putting him right where they think he belongs. Yeah. But that's also, yeah, yeah, it does. It makes total sense, but it also might be a a scheme of the NHL Bruins organization to say, you know, Hey Ryan, could you please insert Georgie, not only at center, but at left wing, because we can kind of gauge him for future NHL roster spot being either on the left side because we're so deep up the middle, you know, it's good to, this Boston Bruins team is so smart when it comes to player versatility. Right. To be honest with you, I know it frustrates so many people, but you got to have it in this league. If you can, if you can, if you can change your lineup on the fly during a game and, and, and have these players that are comfortable in other positions, that's a great thing to have in your tool bag. And Hey, you know what else is a great thing to have in your tool bag is like, Free gear. Well, not free gear. You pay for it. But we do have a Patreon account. And before we end the show, I do want to mention this. So if you go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just $1 per episode, we record four to six episodes a month. It's a very small investment, but you have a chance to win a this month's prize bundle. And it is an all bundle hand signed by the legend himself, Ray Bork. 
We have a hand-signed jersey, hand-signed mini helmet, hand-signed puck, and a hand-signed 8x10 photo. All of it we're giving away next weekend. Uh, I think we're going to do a show on October 30th. And this is a way we're, we're saying welcome back, hockey, but also thank you to our uh, Patreon supporters, uh, the financial supporters that help us pay the bills here at the uh, Black and Gold Sports Media Company. But this is our way to say thank you. We've been saving up all summer to give this prize pack away, like I said, to say thank you and welcome back, hockey. So uh, get on board right now. Go on there, sign up. Sign up just for this or sign up for the whole year because we're giving away a jersey every month after this. It's not going to be a, a Cam Neely prize pack next next month. Can't afford that here. If you guys want to put in $100 per episode, then we'll talk. But <laughs> but but for right now, what we can afford with your uh, you know gracious donations, this is our way to say thank you to, to you guys. So um, uh, the next month's jersey will be in a video that I provide later on. But Again, sign up at patreon.com slash black and go hockey podcast. Also, we are continue to look for new people to, to join the program. And if you want to uh, jump on board, please go to black and gold productions, LLC at gmail.com and send me a cover letter about what you'd like to do covering the Boston Bruins. We do have credentials uh, sometimes at the NHL. We have full credentials at the um, American Hockey League and full credentials at the East ECHL. So please get in touch if you ever want to um, contribute and uh, start a podcast or become a writer. It's a lot of fun. We have a great group of people here. So um, that's pretty much all I got from there, my friend. Um, but uh, it's great to have Dom on today, huh? Absolutely. It was very awesome. And we got him for, I, I got to tell you this, I'm sure Dom has a lot of confidence going through him right now because he's been holding off on doing this, afraid that he wasn't going to be able to do it for that long. He exceeded his expectations. And unfortunately, the medicine kind of kicked in and made it so we couldn't finish it off. But it's going to be a huge confidence builder for him. Yeah, man. You know, just just having him on, hearing the voice, seeing the face, and you know, it's just it's just good. I mean, we 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 have been talking to him and so on on DMs, just making sure that he's okay, and always reaching out if he needs to talk to somebody. But you know, just having him back on the program after a five week hiatus is just it was it was very comforting, uh, to be honest with you. And and mm-hmm. hopefully he can gain, gain the strength to come back and do a full program whenever ready, because uh, we love having him here. And it was just it was awesome. That that really made my weekend. And my upcoming week that I got to talk to my friend and uh, and we all got to back together again. You know, we, exactly. we're a freaking trio. We're a, we're a Bruins content trio. So with that being said, uh, I'm host Mark Allred. That is Mr. Kevin O'Keefe. This is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 302. We want to thank everybody for the interactions on Twitter, interactions on the Discord. Uh, the link is below uh, in the show notes for the Discord. Buy some merch. Buy some merch in the link below. Uh, we got some stuff that is for sale. Obviously, get on the Patreon. Uh, please support the um, Athletic Greens. Uh, go to athleticgreens.com slash B, uh, BNG uh, and support um, Can I Wellness. Uh, go to caniwellness.com and 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 put in BNG25 and also betonline.ag, our show sponsor. And please use the code CLNS50. Until next week. Everybody, this is Boston Bruins Hockey Talk, black and gold hockey podcast style. We'll talk next week, and hopefully we'll have three games, three Ws, three dubs to talk about next week. Yes. And uh, much like the uh, the three and one 
uh, uh, schedule that we just had in the week prior. Four games in a week we didn't think was going to be uh, easy, but and it certainly wasn't easy. But coming out of it three and one is certainly encouraging moving forward. So uh, let's talk next week. Everybody be safe and uh, peace out. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.